So last week, if my memory serves me correct, we looked at the image of Jesus, meek, mild, and compassionate. And we threw a big wrench in that image when we talked about that one day at the temple. Does that sound familiar? Yes. And then we also answered, or we also finished this sentence. God is, and some of us said love, and some of us said righteous, and merciful, and all those kinds of things. Well, today in our, let's throw another wrench at some of the wonderful images we have of God folder. We have this morning's Old Testament reading that Kim read for us a few moments ago. How's this? People are there. God, we're going to die out here. We, we have no food or water. And what does God do? He sends snakes to them. Now, we're going to pause right there, please, for a number of reasons. One is, I, I'm going to tell you, if God ever gets mad at us, friends, and starts throwing snakes at us, I'm the first one out the door. I'm telling you that right now. Me and Slimy and Slip, we just don't get along too well, okay? And I think I've shared this story with some of you before, but when I went to my Amaze walk, like uh, Connie and Manette are getting ready to do this next weekend, you know, I had been told before, it's going to be at this camp, and when you go to this camp, you know, at least wear flip-flops all the time, John, because even when you go to the shower, because scorpions and tarantulas and even snakes. So trust me, when I went, I had more than flip-flops on my shoes, the whole, on my feet the whole time, okay? One of the nights we were there, me and some of the other guys that come, came to know there, one night we were up probably till after like 2 in the morning. Finally, we said, we got to get up early. We need to go to bed. So I was the only one that was going to my cabin. And, you know, I get to my cabin. I open the door. It's pitch dark. The gentlemen in there, they had probably already gotten more sleep than I was going to get the whole night. And I didn't want to disturb anybody. So I walk in. I close the door. Boy, there's a symphony going on, all kind of noises going on when I walked in at that time in the morning. And the bathroom was way over there. I didn't want to go turn on the light and disturb them. So in my, my bed... My cot was way over here in the corner. So I just, you know, I didn't want to disturb. So I walked. And I was on the bottom bunk. And I get to my bottom bunk. And, and pause right there because they had given us these little bracelets to wear. You've seen these salvation bracelets, what they call them. And they got different color beads. And each color stands for this, red for this, black for that, white for this, and, and so on, right? Well, you know, maybe they didn't, they, didn't have, they didn't have a reason to tell me, but nobody ever told me, hey, John, the white bead, it glows in the dark. So here I am at my bed, pitch dark, and I go to reach for my covers, and as I do, I see something looking at me. <laughs> and I jerk my hand back, and I hit my head on the bed, and I'm trying to get it off, and it's not coming anywhere, and I'm checking the bed, and... Me and slivery just don't get along, okay? And for some people, it's like that. One of our office managers at one of our other churches, I would go to her office and show her uh, videos. And, hey, this is funny. Check it out. And we sit there, and, you know, she'd laugh at most of it. And some of it, John, you're crazy. But I showed her this one video, and as we were getting, let, it, let it load up, 
an image came, or, or the title of it came, and it, it was the word snake. And she says, hold on, what's that? I said, it's a video. It's real funny. You're going to like it. No, but what is that? Snake. Because I'm not watching it. I said, but it's a funny video. I'm not watching it. Why not? I don't do snakes. I said, yes, but it's a video. I don't care. I'm not doing snakes. Come on, it's hilarious. She pushed herself from the desk, turned around. I am not watching that video. Fine, I can at least watch the video. But she did not want to watch the video because it had that snake there. I guess maybe it was going to come out of the screen or, or something. I don't know. But don't you know that in life there are some things that we rather kind of just ignore? And even in our faith, there are some things about the Bible or maybe about God that we kind of, we'd rather just... I'd rather not get into that, for whatever reason. I think those things, we have to learn how to be able to confront them, to think about them. Because in doing, I think we can come to greater understandings of ourselves, of our faith, and of our God, and of the Bible, if we can learn how to do that. So for me, this story about God, God sending snakes to the people... That messes up my image of merciful God a little bit. Forgive me, I guess. But let's look at it. What's, what's really going on here? Maybe, maybe we can see something greater if we just take a moment to get in a little bit further. You see, our good friend, the Israelites, they've been in trouble before, haven't they, with God? If you, if you have your Bible there, if you'll turn to it, you, you can, just so you can know what's going on. Something happens here, a little bit different. They've been known to mumble and grumble against God, haven't they? For which God has responded. But here, something's going on just a little bit different. The writer tells us that the people, they grow what? Or they become what? What's the word there? Huh? Impatient. Uh oh. And out of that impatience with God, that's when they begin to speak out against God and speak out against Moses, isn't it? What do you think God was responding to more with the snakes? Their impatience or their speaking out against God and Moses? A couple verses later, the people have this kind of moment where they repent and they say that they're sorry for speaking out to God and Moses, so maybe that gives us an idea of what they thought. Well, I don't know. What do you think God was responding to more? It's hard to say. If God was responding to the people's impatience, some of us better watch out, shouldn't we? If God was responding to the people's reaction to God's leader, then some of us I'll leave that alone. It, 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 it's been said before that, that in order for something to stick with somebody, a fact or whatever, it has to be said seven times. Somebody has to hear something seven times before it sticks in there and it's theirs to keep for, forever and always. And so I was thinking about that. And thought, okay, I know there are several things you know, in our times together on Sunday mornings that have 
you know, reemerged several, several times. Um, different, different readings and, and Sundays and whatnot. I thought, okay, let's think about some of those things that are constantly coming up. And kind of David Letterman style, I have the top three that I've noticed that just reemerge, reemerge. The first one is that the kingdom of God brings is working. It is working. The second one that I noticed that I usually somehow reference to quite a bit is our church's mission statement. We all know our mission statement, don't we? We are a church family, prayerfully united by the Holy Spirit, boldly committed to sharing new life in Jesus Christ. There, I said it again. But the one thing that has come up most often, most times, is this whole idea about waiting on God. It's come up in different contexts. You know, in Advent, we, the whole season of Advent, Advent is waiting on God. And in today's story, Old Testament story, we have the peoples waiting on God and how that went for them. And I think there's something to be said about in our waiting, not to become impatient with God. God's got something. I don't know what God's got planned or, or what he's arranging. But while we're waiting on God, let us not become impatient with God. Not to say God's going to throw a snake at you, but still. The Israelites had forgotten what God had done for them, hadn't they? It's funny, they say, oh God, there's no water out here, and there's no food. Well, okay, there is food, but it's the stuff that you keep miraculously giving to us from heaven, but it's so nasty, and it has no taste, and bleh. God says, okay, how about snakes? How do those snakes taste? In a way, I think we can see that what God was responding to was the people's rejection of what God had done for them. That whole Red Sea business, that whole taking care of the enemies, I mean, the water from the rock, the manna from heaven, and you're just not happy with that, are you? So God sends these snakes, and a lot of people die from these snakes. And from those people who are left over, they sort of repent, and they ask Moses to forgive them, and Moses prays on their behalf to God, and God gives them, gives Moses this uh, instruction. And this is just really weird to me. God says, make a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Now, I was going to bring some snakes, uh, just for that visual effect. Fake ones, but I don't care. <laughs> I didn't want to do that for a lot of reasons, so this is what I came up with. God says, uh, make a snake and put it on a pole. Why was it supposed to be on a pole? So everybody could see it. So everybody could see the little, didn't look like a snake. 
So everybody could see it, and when they see it, they could be healed. Now, a couple things come to my mind if I'm thinking about that. One is, you know, I could have sworn God said before not to make any graven images and to worship them. And here we have this graven image. And apparently it did become practice for the people to worship this image because many, many, many years later, King Hezekiah still has this thing around. And when he's ready to clean out the temple, he has this thing destroyed because apparently people began to worship this. But God never said, Moses, make this so that people can worship it. Doesn't say that. He says, look at it so that people can see it and be healed. Now, wouldn't you like to know how that works, that you can look at that and just be healed? You want to know how that works? So do I. And you know what? I'm just going to have to put that on my list, that if things really still matter when we get home, that's one thing I'm going to find out about. We don't know. But also, as I'm looking at it, you know, I'm thinking, man, if, if, if I have reason to look at this image, huge image, what I'm thinking about a snake is, man, I just got bit by one of these things. And then if I think about it a little bit longer, you know, I'm probably having a near-death experience because of it as well. And I think just a little bit longer, you know what, there's probably there are a ton of people who have already died. This is an image, really, of death, of pain, of anguish. And, and you know, in, in the casting calls, the snakes, I guess they were always the last in line. They get the bad roles in the biblical stories, don't they? Garden of Eden, anybody? And so, really, isn't this also maybe an image of, of evil? is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. God used this image of death, 
pain, evil, to direct people to him. Did he not? Some of you know where I'm going with this, but you can have a front seat ride for it. Because many, many years later, God used another image of death and pain and anguish and evil to point people to him again. Now this is a nice pretty cross, isn't it? Probably cost a lot of money. Got some nice work to it. Nice and shiny. I can see myself. Looks nothing like the real cross of Christ. That may be good. I don't know that God was calling people to see the cross, but to hear the message. Remember last week we read from Paul? Paul said the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There it is. I saw a cartoon recently that had a a Christian and an atheist together. And the Christian had a cross and he was beating the atheist with it. You atheist, you pagan, you this and that and whatever. And the next frame, the pagan takes the cross and he's just about to break it. And the Christian takes the cross and he says, don't be disrespectful. It is kind of funny, but it's very truthful as well. See, the cross was never meant to condemn anybody. Sadly, a lot of people use it for that. The cross was never meant to condemn us, to remind us how bad we are, how bad we can be. We know that. But Jesus says, he came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. When we're not beating each other up with it, you know what sometimes can happen? We can beat ourselves with it. The truth is, friends, you're right. You're not good enough. The truth is, you know, we don't know enough. The truth is, you know, we don't do enough. The truth is, we don't have it all together. But that's God loves us anyway. May you see the cross and may you see the love that God has for you.